Hello to you who is listening to me. <laughs> My name is Sierra, and it's so great to meet you, and I just want to thank you for taking an interest in my stories about my imaginary friends. It really, really does mean a lot to me that you are so involved and so intrigued by this um, event that I had. And so, since you seem to spark so much interest, I decided to make this recording um, so that you are able to get more of an in-depth um, I, I guess, point of view of um, of what I went through. Uh, I, I apologize in advance if it, if it sounds awkward or if I have a lot of pauses or if I stutter a lot. I am. It's weird talking to myself alone in a room. <laughs> I've never done it before, so I will do my very best to make it as smooth lesson as possible. So I had a pretty normal childhood up until the age of four. Um, my mom, bless her heart, uh, she, she wasn't happy in the relationship with my, with my father, to say the least, so she would go off and, mm, I don't like to use the word cheat because, I, it's, it just breaks my heart knowing she did this, but I guess she did cheat, technically, with another man from, from her work. And I, and I won't disclose his name, but he did a lot of things to me and my sister, and it was difficult on us. I, I don't wish to go into detail of what he did at the time. You could probably get an idea, um, but it was, it was a experience to say the least, and what he did will shape who I wa- who I was and who I am today. And it was painful to know that that this person did these things to me and my sister. And I mean it's like I I want to blame my mother. I really do, but at the same time it's like she was unhappy in her marriage and what she did was super wrong. And she couldn't have known that this person would do these things to her own daughters, but I mean, in a way, I can understand where my mom was coming from. She was super unhappy. She just chose a cheating route, I suppose, and that was that. And it kind of had a huge effect on me because there was this one man who who appeared in my life who who I ended up seeing a lot more than my own father because my father, he worked in real estate, and it was really difficult to see him because he would come home at, like, 4 p.m., and I'd see him for a few hours, but then he'd, he'd work a lot on his computer and he didn't like to be bothered. So I just kind of played alone in my room or something or with my sister and, and, uh, yeah, it just, I don't know. And I, I mainly just saw my mom a lot, but like I said, she was really unhappy. So she had a lot of anger issues back then. Um, she doesn't anymore. She, she's like, if you knew her back then and saw her today, you would never guess that she was the person, um, you would never guess that she was the same person. Uh, I remember she would come home, like, it was a 50-50 chance. Like, either she would come home super fucking mad and she would slam things and, and, like, scream at the top of her lungs at me and my sister, or she would come home, like, super happy and take us out to ice cream. So, it's like, it's all, it was almost like I was living with, with, I don't want to necessarily call her a monster, but the, back then that's how I saw her. She was like this friendly monster. Like some, it's like, she was like this cat demon. It's like, you know, with cats, it's like, oh, like, oh, I could pet your head and, but, and they like that, but then all of a sudden they don't like it. It, it was kind of like that, I guess. And I don't know, my mom and dad fought a lot. It, it was just a lot that went on. And, you know, of course, as a kid, it, it it's really difficult to go through those sort of things. It always is. And I'm not saying that my story is special or anything. Like, this is, it's a dime a dozen with the shit that happens. It It's a terrible thing, but it's something that does occur. But nonetheless, it did affect me very greatly. And um, I can't say much for my sister because, you know, even though I lived with her, I, I wasn't in her head, so I don't know exactly how it affected her because we're two different people, even though we had the same experiences. But anyway, I digressed from that. So, I don't know, a lot of shenanigans went on, a lot of fighting, and it was just difficult for me. And I believe when I was the age of nine, I 
ended up creating imaginary friends to cope with that. Um, I remember, uh, my mom telling me when, um, when I was younger that, uh, as a baby, I was very anxious and I was diagnosed with anxiety as a young baby, um, due to behavior, to a behavioral therapist that I went to, I guess. Um, they said that, um, I was developing a little slow and I showed a lot of anxiety and they offered to put me on medication, but my mom was like, are you crazy? No, I'm not doing that. And so, uh, like, I guess I was always a really anxious child, like I said, ever since I was a baby, but it, it was never a problem. Like, I was still outgoing and everything, but I guess it affected me in ways that I didn't understand back then. Now, looking back, I can see how, oh, yeah, that did happen, and I was like that, but when, at that moment in time as a child, I, I thought I was just a normal kid. Um, and I'm sorry that I'm getting so sidetracked. There's just a lot for me to remember and a lot that I'm trying to condense into this, um, this little recording um, because, I, like I said, I don't want to go into too much detail about about um, my personal life. Like, I could tell you about my imaginary friends, but when it comes to certain aspects of what happened to me, I, I don't feel comfortable about disclosing that, especially since um, whoever I'm sending this to is still most likely a stranger to me. And so, just out of respect for myself, um, I, I don't want to go in depth with that. Uh Anyway, so I grew up pretty normal, you know, like I said, fighting and whatnot, but I went to school. Everything was fine. Like, I still had a lot of anxiety and whatnot. Um, I had one good friend. I won't disclose her name for privacy reasons, but she still is with me, and she has stuck by me through so much, and she would be my most single, most... Oh, gosh. There, there's no words that can describe how important she is to me. Because without her, I don't know where I would be, honestly. She, she's so influential on me. And so, she is just a blessing. That's, that's the best way I could describe her. She is a blessing. And so, I always hung out with her when I was younger, but when I grew to be the age of nine, I guess I started developing more of an active imagination, and that, and one day during, I believe, the winter is when I first met my imaginary friend, Superior Devera, and she came to me one day after a school day, and I remember, um being at home, and we were, I was in a little patio area, and I saw her, and I remember, I don't remember who I told. It was either my sister or my mother. I think it was my mother, but I remember telling her, like, oh my god, look, look, there's a little black dog down there, and she's like, I don't see any dog. You must be seeing things. It might be a shadow, and so I just kind of let it go. Like, like, I didn't want to pursue because at the time I was like, oh man, I don't want my mom to get mad at me or anything, so I just didn't say anything else about it. But I remember, um, her coming up to me, um, Superior Devera, and she was questioning me about, like, hey, do you know where I am and how and where, where is this place that I was placed at, like, and I was trying to recall the name of my street, and I tried so hard to remember what it was called, and I remember she called me useless for it, and that really hurt my feelings, but, but, uh, she came, and I offered her to come into my house, because she seemed lost, and I mean, shit, she was a puppy, she was basically a dog, and I was like, oh my god, a dog, and it was weird, because at the time, I was like, oh, I could see this thing, but my parents can't? And so, it was like this this wolf creature was walking around their house, and my family didn't even notice them. And I was like, oh man, this is so weird. Like, they're walking right into her, yet nothing's happening. They're not falling down or, or bumping into her. Like, what's going on? And she said that she came from a different reality. She came from a different spectrum of our... 
of our existence. And at the time, I had no friggin' idea what she was talking about. I was like, oh, did you come from a different town? And she just kind of sighed and was like, you're, you're a young human, aren't you? And I was like, yeah, I'm nine years old. And age, I suppose, is different for them. So she didn't understand what I meant by nine years old, but she gandered that I was young. And so she, she tried to speak to me in a way that I could understand. And I asked her, I'm like, are you lost? Where did you come from? And I vividly remember her saying, I came from a place where there is no life or death. I came from a place where the universe exists somewhere. Oh, goodness, what'd she say? The universe exists on a spectrum that your your human minds cannot comprehend. And she didn't really say anything else of that. Like, I still couldn't understand the big words she was using, but I kind of got the idea. And so... I was, I I just kind of hung out with her for a little bit, and I'm like, well, why can't you go home? And she said, when she was doing something called soul travel, something went wrong, and she ended up on Earth. And now that she's on Earth and that she made contact with me, she was stuck with me, and she couldn't go back. And I was like, oh no, well, is there any way that I can help you get back? And she was like, there's no way for your tiny mind to understand what I am going through. Leave me alone for now. And like I said, like, uh, if any of you remember on my younger post, like I said, she wasn't nice to me at first. She was very mean, very hostile, but she never hurt me. She was just very standoffish. And I think she was just more frustrated with her situation, if anything, because, and I can understand that. I mean, she, coming from wherever she was, it was probably the equivalent of heaven to us. And she ended up in a, in a slum, honestly. And it just, it was shocking to her. And knowing that she had the possibility of never going back home frightened her, even though she didn't want to admit it. And so she behaved the way she did because a lot of people and animals or creatures in that matter just behave differently to different situations. And it was just her personality. Um, so she spent the night with me. Um, she didn't sleep in the same room as me. She slept in our, I had a two-story house, so she slept in our downstairs bathroom. I don't think she knew what the bathroom was, so I kind of giggled at the thought of her sleeping, like, oh, you're sleeping where we take a shit. <laughs> but she, she didn't understand that, and I think she just felt safer in a, in a tiny room, because it was a very, very small bathroom. It only had room for a toilet, basically, so it was even smaller than, like, a half bath. It was, it was just tiny, and so she, she resided in there, and she slept in there, and then the next morning, um, she was speaking in a tongue that I don't understand. It was almost like, it was like she was speaking, like, a Nordic language mixed with Arabic. It was really, really weird and really interesting, and I tried to ask her what language she was speaking, but she didn't answer me that. And I always wondered what language it was called. But she never answered my question. And I think she was talking to somebody, like almost like how we have cell phones, but she was using, um, so the way she communicated with others is that it wasn't telepathy to per se, but she communicated through the horns on her head, those long blue horns that I described. And they were almost like antennae, I guess. And so she was able to get a wavelength frequency, I guess, from from whoever she was talking to. And it came back to her in the form of, of an internal voice within her mind. Um, and it was really, it was fascinating to watch. Like I said, I was young, I didn't understand shit, but it was still fascinating. And so I watched her for a bit, and when she was finally done, she said... I have no way to get back home. I am now, I am now trapped with your existence. We are one, but not of the same. And so she was very upset about that. And she avoided me for a few days. And I would try, 
there were times where I wanted to mention mention her to my parents, but she would strictly say, they cannot comprehend who and what I am. Do not dare to give them information about me. And she seemed very serious, and I was afraid of her, honestly. I mean, she was, she was a deity in my eyes, so I didn't say a single word to my family because maybe they really wouldn't understand and maybe something bad would happen to me maybe my mom would get me in trouble maybe she would hit me because of it who knew back then my mind would race like I said I had a lot of anxiety so I always had like the worst case scenario in my head first and um so for the past few days like I would watch her she'd watch me but we would just deal with each other kind of like how when you introduce two cats like they they won't like each other at first, and they'll just keep their distance. But just like two cats, they'll become best friends, and that's exactly what happened to us. So, I think I'll jump forward from, I think it was a few weeks later that she finally started warming up to me, because she came to a conclusion that there's no way that I'm getting back home, I'm stuck here for now, and I'll... I just have to wait it out until Septara Angelo gets here. And I didn't know who she was talking about. She said, that is my sister. And I was like, you have a sister? And I was so excited. I was like, oh my gosh, she's coming here. And she is like, yes, in due time. And that she did. And I can't pinpoint the exact time she came. It might have been a few months after I met Superior Devera. But when, when Subterra Angelo did come, she just kind of appeared. Um, she, it was almost like she just instantly popped there. Like she, she teleported or something into, into my room. And, <laughs> and Superior Devra, they, they got along. But she was very mad at Subterra Angelo when, when she got, got there. She was like, where the hell have you been? Well, she didn't say hell. Like, she, she said something else. It, it sounded like a curse word to me, so that's why I say hell. But, like, where, where have you been? Like, why have you abandoned me here? I am stuck here. I've been trying to communicate with you. And Subterra Angelo said, you have disappeared for a long, long time, and it was very hard for me to track down exactly where where your wavelengths were. And so I just listened to them talk, and they were bickering for a little bit, until finally Sotera Angel noticed me, and she's like, is this the human child that you are soul-bound to? And Superior Devra reluctantly said yes, and Sotera Angel came up to me, and she looked at me with the most sincere, honest, loving eyes I have ever seen in my life. She gave off more love than a mother could, more love than I think God could. At that moment, it was just her and I, and she was so beautiful to the point where I wanted to cry. She was amazing to look at. An absolute beauty to observe. She, she was, she just was. There's no words to describe how I felt in that moment. I just feel it. And I will never forget that feeling. She was everything that I could never imagine love to be. It was as if she was love. She was care caring. She was honesty. She was kindness. She was all of those good emotions and everything that was good in the world in one being. I couldn't stop staring at her. It was like, it's like when I looked in her eyes, I traveled a thousand years and back. It was amazing. And Subterra Angela looked down at me, and all she said was, hello. And that was it. She just said hello. But that hello felt so real. It felt realer than any words I've ever heard to this day. 
I can't describe to you what I mean by realer. It, it, it just, it felt good. Her words were like a shot of dopamine into my system. It, like, it just was an experience, to say the least. She was incredible. To think that the most simplest of words can send me in awe like that. It's mind-boggling. So, Terry Angela was not soul-bound to me, and she was able to travel freely from from wherever she came from to my house. She she said she's going to try her best to get Superior Tephra out of the of the world that I was in, Earth. And excuse me, <laughs> sorry. Oh my god, I ate. Okay, I ate pasta. Like I scarfed it down because I was really hungry, and I kind of regret that because now I'm having like indigestion. So I'm sorry if I like awkwardly like throat burp throughout this (laughs) so anyway um she uh superior devra um had no choice but to stay with me while soterra angelo tried to figure out a way to get her out but she did come and visit and over time she did form a good bond with me and she even confronted superior devra like do not harm this child she has done nothing wrong for your mistakes and that made Superior Deborah livid, but she didn't say a single thing to her sister. I remember her just storming out, and she left for a little bit. She couldn't be far away from me, so she just kind of went outside, like, close by. I could see her out of my window, but I knew that she needed alone time. And I'm like, why did you, why did you say that to her? Well, like, she's upset. And so Tara Angelo said, what, she, what my sister did was foolish. She did something that she was not supposed to do. And for that, she is... she. Oh my god, what's the word? She is experiencing consequences. I don't think that, that was the word she used, but that's the one that came to mind. Um, I guess suffering consequences. Um, so, I understood that in a sense. So, I was like, so she's in trouble? And Angelo was just like, for a little bit, yes, but soon she will come around. And she did. She did. Um, I think after that little talk that Angelo and Superior Devra had, um, Devra realized that, that there was, there's no reason to be mean to me. I literally, I, she, she was like, you're right, that she did do nothing wrong. I need to, I need a way to to coexist with this human and so we started talking at night um and i would ask her stories of where she came from and she said child like i told you before you cannot comprehend of where i came from and i was like well can i at least try can you at least try and tell me but she never would she she never she doubted my intelligence. She doubted me. And in a way, I mean, I kind of understood that. She was this deity, like I said. She was this all-powerful creature. So she probably looked down on humans like we were ants, like we were nothing. So she didn't want to waste her time, especially on a, on a human girl, a, a kid, and try and explain to her what, what her world was like. However, Subterra Angelo did. And I asked her, well, what is your world like? And so Tara Angelo, I remember her holding me close to her and her fur was so warm, yet it was very cool to the touch. It was like laying on snow, but that snow was a warm blanket. It was so many sensations at once, but it was comforting it wasn't uncomfortable at all. It was delightful, to say the least. It was... I miss her touch. I do. Every day. Every day, I miss her. I miss... I miss her being there for me. I miss her voice and the way she spoke to me. I I miss... I, mi- I just miss the way she she existed. 
But anyway, what she told me of her world I will never forget. She said, if you were to travel outside of, of this world you call Earth right now and follow me into my world, your brain would not be able to comprehend what you are seeing. What you are seeing, your brain would not be able to understand. You're, you're just not developed enough to comprehend it. The human mind is not evolved enough to be able to understand where we are and what our world is. And I asked her, why not? she said I honestly don't know there are all sorts of creatures my child but I cannot always explain or make sense of why some things are and that was strange to me to know that even she something that some some creature that I thought was all-knowing didn't know something and it kind of made me happy to know that even she didn't know something that I maybe could teach her something in return. It made me excited. But she said... She thinks that if our human brains were able to see that universe, to see the universe that Superior Deverence of Terry Angelo came from, our, it would be a different experience for whoever saw it. it it's unique to all of us. It's there, but it's not. It's, it's the same, but different. At least that's what she told me. It's as if our brains would try and create the most magnificent thing we can possibly think of. An example would be heaven. We would probably try and see our own idea of heaven if we retreated to her world. I never once saw her world, for I didn't have the ability to travel with her. She couldn't. It just wasn't possible, because we were, we were on two different spectrums of existence. She was powerful, but she wasn't that powerful to be able to rip me out of one reality and put me in another. So, life kind of went on. It Like, nothing really happened after meeting Subterra Angelo. Like, things were just normal. Superior Defera started being nicer to me. She, oh, gee, I forgot to mention, um, when I would fall asleep the first time I was with Superior Defera, she would try and choke me in my sleep, and, like, when I was walking, she'd randomly make my vision blurry so that she could get a laugh out of me bumping into things. And she even tried to teach me to take the easy way out of life because she was like, my short time here, I was able to study some of the behaviors of your hum of you humans, and I come to the, the conclusion of how to easily survive. And she figured out that if you lie, cheat, steal, and use your body to get the things that you want, the world will be in the palm of your hand. But I told her that's a terrible thing to say. Like, don't don't say that. I'm not going to do that. I'm only nine. Like, what are you saying? Like, I'd get in so much trouble. And she didn't get why I would, why I would refuse to do something like that. Like, she, she legitimately had no moral compass. She just did what she thought would be right. What, what would be easy for me. And in a way, I think she, she thought she was trying to help me. Like, trying to, I guess, in a weird, really weird way, she was trying to to befriend me by saying those things, and I I never did any of the things that she told me to do. And uh, regarding the choking and the blurry vision, she literally did that the first time we met, and. And it stopped fairly quickly because we talked it out and with the blurry vision thing, she literally did it so she, so that she could get a laugh out of it. Um, she thought it was funny that I would bump into things or fall down. She liked messing with me. But uh, over time, she became less and less mischievous, especially once her sister came into the picture. It pretty much ceased and she became a lot more subdued. Um... So, 
like I was saying, like, life kind of went on. Like, they would, they would go with me sometimes to the grocery store. We would go out for frozen yogurt. Like, or we would watch movies together. And we, and I had a pool at the complex I lived at, so we would swim. And, uh, like, we'd do all these things together, but it was almost like they didn't care. Well, they did, but they were more interested in the grass or the trees. Like, oh, what are these things? How do these live? Like, so I assume that they didn't have trees and grass where they were at. So they were more interested in our earthly things than they were in the activities that, like, our social activities that we do. Um, she, uh, so Terry Angel and Superior Deborah, uh, they, they did have fun with me. They, they, um, I remember Superior Deborah, she really, really liked to sing. Um, and she would sing every night. And her singing was beautiful. Absolutely gorgeous. Her voice, the best I could describe it, it's like, it's like a mix of the singer called Uriel and Amy Lee from Evanescence. Like, if you took those two together, that's kind of what she sounded like when she sang, except she was so good to the point where it was almost like an acid trip, I guess. It was so amazing to me that, like, her voice was just an absolute joy to listen to. It was eerie, gothic. It was beautiful. And they had no need to breathe oxygen, so she had no need to take breaths in between. So it was just a constant noise of a pure harmony coming from her. I could feel her emotions through her voice. In a way, it was like watching a dog howl, but like a godly dog howl. Not saying she howled when she sang. No, she spoke words. Sometimes she sang in her own language and sometimes she sang in English. But it was still amazing nonetheless. And so Tara Angelo, she she was really interested in video games that I played. And I would never think that she was interested. At the time, I was super interested in Pokemon. Hell, I'm still super crazy about Pokemon. And she she liked the concept that that us humans were so creative and we tried to create other worlds and she thought it was cute um and i asked her are pokemon real and she's like possibly in another universe and i said seriously and she's like nothing is impossible and so i like to believe that pokemon are real somewhere but who knows and so, like, life went on, and we just had a day-to-day thing. Like, it's nothing extravagant. It's not like, oh, like, like God suddenly appeared to me, and he had this huge task for me to fulfill or anything like that. And it was literally just me going to school, one of them going with me, me coming back home. We'd I'd sit and play get video games or do my homework. They'd try and help me on my homework and blah, blah, blah. Like, stu- like kind of stuff like that. They were... They were almost like mothers to me, in a way. And they'd help me when I was sad, and, and they'd laugh with me when I was happy. It was it was a good time. And it went on like that for a few years. And when I was the age of 12, that is when Frenzo appeared. And he just appeared one day out of the blue. I remember seeing this big-ass bird, and I was, like, trying to nudge my friend, like, do you see that fucking bird? And she was like, what are you talking about? I don't see a bird. And he, and and I told her, hey, I'm gonna go to the bathroom real quick, and that was a fucking lie, because I, I went across campus, um, sorry, I was at school, I forgot to mention, I went across campus, and he landed, like, in this open field, and he came up to me and said, like, in this big, booming voice, like, like, are you the child that is associated with so-and-so? And I I think he said Superior Deborah, I'm not sure, but I said, yeah, how do you know her? And, and he was just telling me about how he sensed this, this, um, this presence that was not supposed to be 
correlated within our existence, and he was curious about it, to say the least. And the only reason why he came is merely because he was curious. And so I said, oh, well, she's at home right now. If, if after school you want to come home with me, I can show her. And he just, he was like, fine. Uh, I And he was writing things in a notebook, like drawing pictures of the trees and, and of the sky and documenting um, behavior. And I remember while I was at school, I was like, what are you doing? And he said, I... He said, oh, where are my manners? My name is Frenzo, and I come from a land called Tanabaru. And I said, Tanabaru? And and he said, yes, child. That is this... Tanabaru is a place that all mystical creatures retreated to after humans nearly hunted us to extinction. And I said, oh, so you guys are real? And he's like, in the flesh. And so I was so fascinated. And I was like, how could you speak English? And, and they said, we are accustomed to all languages so that we have no barrier of communication with one another. And I thought that was really neat. And I talked to him a lot during my breaks at school when I was able to go outside. Because he was still there. He would just stay there. And, and uh, he would do the same thing, just writing in his notebook and taking samples and putting them, he, he had on this handmade knapsack sort of thing, and he put them in there. It was really pretty. Um, and so, uh, finally it was time to go home, and took him home, and he finally met Superior Devora, and she was a bit shocked to see a griffin. She's like, not every day that you get to see one of these creatures, and he was like, the same to you. And, and they seemed super fascinated with one another, and Sapphira Angela wasn't there at the time. She she left. Um, she she won't she wouldn't be back for like a month or so. Yeah, you know, she was gone for a long time. So it was just me and Sapphira Devra. And um. And so Frenzo, I remember just listening to them talking. I got oh, and Frenzo was super huge. He was like twelve feet tall, so they would have to stay outside. Um. And so I remember uh, Sapphira Devra and Frenzo talking, and they were just, he was asking her questions about how she ended up here, and she told the same shit that she told me, and, and, uh, Superior Deborah was wondering why he was here, and he, you know, told her the same things that he told me, and it was just a he said, she said kind of thing. And so, um, that was basically it. Like, he would, he asked if he could come and, and, um, and basically, research her so every so often she said sure i'm not going anywhere like kind of in a in a distressed voice and it was very understandable because i knew that she was still upset that she couldn't go home and so uh he would go back to tanabaru and he would come back and i said how far away is tanabaru and he said oh it's it's fa- it's fairly close to earth but you humans can never detect our planet because we made sure that we would never be seen again And I said, well, why are you letting me see you? And he said, you are just a child. You can do no harm to us. And that made sense. And, I mean, I was like, I'm I'm not just a kid. But, (laughs) I mean, it was was true that I I was just a kid. And I couldn't do shit. But he was super, super sweet. Like, he he was like a fatherly figure to me in a way. Um, He was so wise and so smart. And he would bring back things from his world, such as a fruit that, that I remember drawing on Imgur, and he gave it a name, and for the life of me, I can't remember the name, it was a really weird name, but, oh man, I'll never forget the taste of it, it was so, so bitter at first, but super sweet, it was like, it was like eating, like, a bitter gusher, but then having super sweet sugar spurt inside your mouth, it, it just, it was really interesting. And I remember he would document my reactions and and um, and everything. And I was like, well, can we have this plant here? And he said that, sadly, we cannot because our soil is so tainted. And with the climate changing, it just would not be able to grow here. I asked, well, what's your climate like? Do you have a sun where you're at? And he's like, like, we, like I told you, child, we are very close to the earth. So we are within your solar system. Uh, and I remember him saying that... There, they had no need for um, technology like we do, 
um, they, they just didn't have a need for it. They were super advanced mentally, but they made a decision not to invent technical, technological things. And I asked why, and they, he just said, we have no need for those things, for we have one another. We do not need technology to do the thinking for us. And, and that made sense. It did. Um, and so he was just really fun to talk to. And, and I loved brushing him. I remember uh, he would let me brush him and he liked it. And he said he never felt such a pleasure as being brushed by me before. And that was like a huge compliment. It was really cute. And, um, his feathers were so soft. He had brown, uh, brownish gray feathers with these cute little, like at the top of his head, his feather, uh, like, um, at, two points on on his head they stuck up like little horns almost it was really cute and he had like a brownish yellow beak and and he had a grayish yellow feet and a zebra half and it was really pretty he was so beautiful and so he would come and go just like subterra angela would um and like I said, life was normal. Literally nothing changed. He was just another addition, and he was just a really fascinating creature that would come visit me from, and, and, um, and the gang, as I called them, from time to time. Um, but then, uh, around the same time when I was 12 as well, uh, almost 13, the one with no name appeared. And they appeared out of nowhere. Like, just one day, I was sleeping in my bed, I woke up, in this creature with huge, round, glowing eyes was staring at me. And I was too afraid to move. And I remember nudging Superior Devra. I was like, oh my god, oh my god, there's something here, there's something here. And she would wake up and she saw him. She got so pissed when she saw him. She was like, what the hell are you doing here? Get the fuck out of here or something. But, um, but it was weird because when she said that, she was speaking in another tongue. But I understood what she was saying. It was almost like my ears couldn't hear her, but my mind could. And the one with no name tried to explain to her that they sensed something was amiss within this world. The world is now unbalanced due to her presence and Frenza's presence and, and Subterra Angelos. And they need to be removed from, from this world immediately. And she was trying to explain to, to them that there that was impossible because she got, um, because now she was soul bonded with me and there's no way that she could, um, separate herself from this world or from me. And, um, the one with no name seemed pretty frustrated about that. Uh, they couldn't do anything. Um, and I asked them, what are you? And, and they said we're us and that was it they literally didn't give me any in-depth answer they were the they were the the epitome of oh man what's the word the epitome of ambiguity like they just they they were so ambiguous and they had the shortest answers that that were like wait that doesn't uh, let tell me more that doesn't make sense but they wouldn't they just give you super short answers and it was frustrating at the time because as a kid I'm like I want to know more I want to know more but they wouldn't say anything and uh they they said that they were fascinated and they wanted to stay for a little bit but I was so scared, and I was like, no, I don't want you to stay here, you're scary, and I remember when I was staring at their eyes, they said, do not stare at our eyes for too long, for this is how we trap them, this is how we feed, this is how we know, or something like that, and I was like, oh my god, this is creepy as hell, and I would confide in Subterra Angelo, and she decided to create this device that would go over his eyes so that, sorry, I didn't mean to say his, there. So since they're both male and female, of course, um, that would go over their eyes so that they would not be able to, um, to trap, as they said, trap me or anybody else. And they would make, and she also made them these shoes, like these little, um, these little metal shoes that are almost like synth, 
uh, cylinder at the bottom but square around their ankles. And they had a lot of glowing lights around them, as well as the mask. And uh, it prevented them from, from, uh, because their paws, when they touched something, it made something fall asleep. And so they no longer had that ability. And so this whole time, like, they just, they, they complied and they wore it because they said that they had no intention of scaring me or of interfering. They simply just wanted to observe. And so I let them. And they didn't say anything to me unless I asked them a question. It had to be a question or else they didn't talk to me. And, and I would ask them about, is there, is there a God? And they, give me a minute because this takes a lot of, of me trying to boggle my brain to say this as, as uh, clearly as I can because it was a long time ago and it still kind of boggles my brain. They said, they said for this world, there is no God. This world was merely a coincidence. It was just a, like a wrinkle in time to say per se. They said that it just was. The universe just was. There is no explanation. It just existed. And so I said, well, if there's no God, is there a heaven and is there a hell? And they said, do you mean life and death? And I said, yes. And they said... There is no such thing as life or death. There just is. Humans like to make a concept that there is life and death for security, but there is none. There is just being. There is just existence. When you die, there is no death. You are still alive, but you are not alive. And they didn't really say anything after that. And I didn't understand, but I I would ask well, what happens to us? Like, are we conscious? Like, what, what are, what do we do? And they said, you will know. And I guess they just didn't want to spoil the surprise for me or something. Or maybe they actually didn't know. I, I don't know myself. But they always kept their answers ambiguous. They, their answers made you think. And they were nice they never once did anything mean to me. They ne- The only thing about them is that they were creepy. That was it. But they would crawl into bed with me every night. They kind of replaced Superior Devra in that aspect. They would sleep in my bed every night. And I asked them, why do you sleep with me if you do not speak with me? And they said, we sense your fear. We do not want you to fear us. And I thought that was sweet because I, in a way, I felt bad. I didn't mean to be afraid of them. They just were. And so I would pet their fur and the little white puffy part on them. And it just, it was so soft. It was like chinchilla fur. And and it helped me fall asleep to that. Um, and... And every morning we'd wake up and they'd jump down and they'd just kind of sit in a corner and watch. Like, I I don't know how they couldn't get bored with just sitting and staring, but they just did. And they'd follow me everywhere, even to the bathroom. They'd follow me. And I was like, can I take a shower alone? Can I go to the bathroom alone? And of course they respect that, but they'd still follow me. I think they were curious. They they just were curious. I don't think they've really seen a human. Um, so they were more intrigued by my behavior, if anything. Um, so I guess I'll talk about why they left. Um, the When I hit puberty, it was super tough. It's tough for everybody, but for whatever reason, with me, it hit me so fucking hard. And my hormones were out of control, um, at least within my brain. Like, I, my depression skyrocketed. My anxiety was unmanageable. I would wake up in cold sweats. I would scream and cry and sob. 
and I was just so anxious about everything for no reason. I was depressed with no cause. I just was. It was like all the happiness within me was gone, and Sagittarius so Angel and Superior Deborah and everyone were so distraught and didn't understand why I was like that, and I would ask them why, and they said, your ba- your brain chemistry is off kilter, and I didn't, and I said, well, how can I fix it, and they said, you need to get mental help, and when I said, when I heard them say that, I was so mad, I was like, how could you say that I'm not crazy, and they were like, no, 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 we didn't say that you were crazy, we just need you to get help, or else you will suffer, and they were right. So, I confided in my mom, and I told her almost everything. I didn't mention a single one of my imaginary friends, but I did tell her the feelings of me wanting to hurt myself, of wanting to kill myself, of of all these bad things. And I said, I need to get help because I'm afraid that something bad will happen. And I was admitted into a mental facility um, for a week. And... It, that whole experience of being there was a huge blur. They they gave me a cocktail of medications to try and see which one worked best. Um, I remember they crushed it up in yogurt, and so I would have the medication in, in yogurt all the time. And I only ate apples there because the food was super unappetizing to me. So I only drank milk, and I had apples, and I lost a shit ton of weight. I think by the end of it... I lost a good eight pounds within a week. So I basically like a pound a day almost. Um, I was miserable in there. Uh, Like I missed my imaginary friends. I missed talking with them. Um, I remember them, but but it was like my brain was trying to make it so I didn't think about them. It was really interesting. Like, the whole experience was altering my brain. It altered the way I thought. It altered the way I saw things. Like, the person I knew was suddenly disappearing. The girl that I knew for 14 some odd years was gone, basically. Like, I was a new person when I got out of that place. And when I did get out, um, it was I was happy to be able to go outside again, but I wanted to see my quote-unquote friends, so I wanted to go home. And when I did, like, my mom and my dad made presents for me and everything, and I told them thank you, but I just want to go in my room really quick. I missed my room. That was a lie. I missed my friends, and I knew that they would be in there, but when I opened my door, they were sitting there. But it was like looking at a blurry mirror. It's like they were fading in and out of existence. Like, I, I was I was so distraught. I was like, why can't I see you? Why can't I see you? And they were saying your brain can no longer comprehend our existence due to the medication that they administered on you. And I was like, you guys lied to me. You said that the meds would help. And they said they did help you. But your health is more important than you being able to see us. And I was so fucking mad at them. I was like, how could you say that? You guys are my friends. They said, we love you. You are, you are our friend. We grew to love you, but now you have to get better. It is your time to live a normal life. And when I heard them say that, it was just a, it was a kick above the belt. It was just the most, I felt betrayed. I felt like they didn't love me anymore. Like, they just were tired of me. And I I know now that they weren't. But just back then, it hurt so bad. And they... The one with no name, this was the first time they ever talked to me without me having to ask them a question. They came up to me. And they told me that we will not be gone forever. We will see you later. We promise you will see us later. And after they said that, like, those words were so reassuring to me. It 
I, it shouldn't happen because usually when people, it was like almost like someone telling you to calm the fuck down. But the way that they said it, the way they, they addressed that to me, I don't know if it was just the way they sounded, the way they approached me with it, but it just made me stop being distraught over it. Like, I instantly accepted that. And within a few minutes after our final hugs, they were gone. Frenzo, Subterra Angelo, Superior Devra, the one with no name, gone. They were gone. The creatures that I bonded with for so long, the ones that I grew so attached to, the ones that helped me through everything, the ones that made me laugh, the ones that held me when I was crying, the ones that that made me understand why my mom was so angry, the, the ones that made me realize why my father was so stressed at work, they were gone. I was alone because of that. I w- they were... They weren't there to hold me when I cried anymore. They weren't there to laugh with me. I I went to school alone. Even though I had friends. Even though I had family that loves me. It was almost like their love just wasn't enough. It wasn't the same. It wasn't what they made me feel. And I miss that feeling. Six going on seven years from now. I still miss that feeling. I miss them. I do. And I'm not afraid to admit to admit to that like i don't want to get them back i'm going to say that right now i don't want them back because the way that we ended things back then is how it should be that is it i can't bring them back i don't think they want to come back i don't want them to come back i just want to live my life now but back then I wanted to get them back. I stopped taking my meds for a while and, and my depression started getting worse and worse and and I told my mom I stopped taking my meds because I wanted my imaginary friends back and that's the first time I mentioned them and she thought I was crazy. So she took me to a psychologist and we had to talk about it. It just... There was so much. There's so much that I felt like I was missing. I was missing them. They were a piece of me and they were ripped apart from from my brain my brain wasn't the same brain. I, I was different. And because of that, I could never get them back. I accepted it after a little while. And I thank them for it. I thank them for, for making me get the help that I needed. Because without them, who knows? They probably would still be here. Maybe I would be dead because of how fucking suicidal I was back then. But... Now things are different. Things are the way that it should be. And some might think that I missed out on so much of my childhood because of them. Because I was so focused on the friends within my mind that I wasn't focusing on the outside world. Well, you're wrong. I didn't miss out on my childhood. They were my childhood. Everyone's childhood is different. It was just like if you guys hung out with your friends. They were my friends. They were mine. I had a childhood and they made it amazing. They helped me so much back then. They helped me more than any human could. Than any person that I could physically touch could. It was my mind that helped me. It was my way of helping myself. Of recovering from something that was trapped within me. Some things that I don't want to address but they helped and I thank them for it I thank myself for it and no I was never diagnosed with schizophrenia identity an identity disorder none none of that stuff I, I wasn't I didn't have psychosis I didn't have any of that my doctors I had so many so fucking many when I was a kid. They're the ones that really took away my childhood. But they helped me. They did. But I don't have any of those things. I have anxiety, depression, and OCD as it stands today. 
I don't see things anymore. I don't hear things. I don't think about hearing things or doing things that I, that I shouldn't. I'm a normal person and I don't want anybody to think otherwise that I am like a demonized person who still needs to be locked away. I don't deserve that and I don't need that. I am a functional member of society. That's all that should matter. It doesn't matter what my brain is like or what I was like back then. It shouldn't matter. Because I'm me. And I'm amazing just the way I am. Anyway, thank you all for listening. And I hope this gave you guys some insight on what I was like and who I am. And I hope I didn't say anything offensive. And I hope I wasn't too confusing. It's a lot for me to remember, especially something from so long ago. And I didn't want to try and make up anything. So that's why I paused so much and I stuttered. But thank you again for listening. And you can message me if you have any more questions or comments. I hope you have a great day, night, evening, morning. And I hope to hear back from you guys or talk to you soon. Thank you.